You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of the NFL. On tap for today are hot takes, controversy, and analysis on your favorite team. Pull up a seat and your host, Hampton Sipper, will be with you in three, two, one. And we are back. Welcome back into the Pigskin Cafe. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I'll be your host this evening. And joining me tonight is my good friend, the correspondent at large, Graham Haney. My other good friend, the red extraordinaire himself, Chase Haney. And the one, the only, Woj Suave. Guys, are we ready to talk a little bit of NFL Week 1 tonight or what? Yes, sir. Let's dive in head first. Whoa, don't get too excited on me, everybody, all at once. All right, well, before we get started we get to talk a little bit of that NFL Week 1 action, huge shout-out to our sponsors, Play Action Pools, who's been doing a pick-em for us, both NFL and college. We had college for two weeks, and then NFL just joined in. Uh, We went over those rankings on the college football pod. So if you want to see who's in first place, go listen to that pod and feel free to join in. It's not too late. Uh, You might start at the bottom, but you never know. Uh, You could be a David and beat beat Goliath, whoever's on that top spot right now. So go give them some support and uh, give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. And lastly, but not least, Graham Kerger, our good friend um, at Graham's, who has his own thrift shopping uh, business where he goes around the Atlanta metro area and uh, adds jerseys, streetwear, and vintage clothing to your wardrobe. So go follow him on Instagram or visit shopgrams.com to get all your wardrobe needs. Now, with all that out of the way, let's get right into it. Guys, it was great. This weekend to have NFL football back on my television. And, man, do we have a lot to talk about. So, Graham, I want to talk to you real quick. I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask everybody that's on here tonight. I want to know what your biggest takeaway or your biggest storyline coming out of week one was. Yeah, great question, Hampton. And I think it all starts with the fans in the stands. I mean, for a whole year, last year, some teams had fans, some teams didn't. But it wasn't really the same. Nope. The crowds weren't bumping. The stadiums weren't shaking. The benches weren't trembling. I mean, it it was just go, so good to see fans back in the stands. It really just changed the atmosphere uh, of football and really just you know, took it away from everything that was going outside of that. It was just, we're just here to play ball and enjoy the enjoy the game that, that we all love to, to watch and uh, just be involved with. But my most exciting moment of this past weekend was kickoff on Thursday night. The Buccaneers and the Cowboys. The return of a healthy Dak Prescott and the GOAT Tom Brady. Man, what a shootout. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was the okay corral. There was no running game. All we're going to do is throw it. Just who can throw it the most, who can throw it the best, and that's how we're going to decide this game. You know, The Buccaneers ended up winning 31-29, uh, to 29, but it was such a fun game to watch. Back and forth the whole night, so close. And for the NFL kickoff, that was such a great one to watch. You know, it wasn't a one side, you know, 
takes everything, and then the other side is just not even close. It was a really close game uh, from start to finish, and it was just so exciting uh, to watch. I think the the storyline of that game is the throwing the football. I mean, the Cowboys and the Buccaneers both pretty much just gave up on the run game and just let's just heave it. Let's just put it in the air and see who can make plays. Dak threw for a little over 400 yards on like 58 attempts. Yeah. And Tom Brady threw for 300 and almost 80 yards on 50 attempts. So they were just slinging all over the place. But uh, that, that sure made it fun, especially with the weapons that both those teams have, you know, with the, the Buccaneers, with Gronk and A.B. and, and uh, Chris Goblin and Mike Evans. And then on the uh, Cowboys, you know, C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and uh, Michael Gallup, you know, I, I think he ended up getting hurt in the game. But, man, it's a team that, you know, both had a lot of weapons and were able to spread the ball out a ton. Like I said, very little run game. The Cowboys ran for like 60 yards. Mm-hmm. Buccaneers ran for 50 yards. So like, you know, almost non-existent uh, in that stage. But and then the big big question, the big thing that was uh, talked about was the Buccaneers defense. But they only got one sack, so it was kind of a you know, a shootout. But it was lots of uh, you know limited drives and. Um, a few interceptions, a few fumbles along the way. But, man, it was such a fun game to watch. And if the NFL season is uh, going to look like Thursday night, man, we got something to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely, Graham. And before I kind of kick it to Chase and Swab to get their thoughts on this game and this matchup a little bit, I wanted to ask you, it was an incredible game. Can't can't lie to you. Can't uh, disagree with you there. I'm not trying to lie to you or disagree with you. Um, but did that game change your perception of either team of the perception you had of either team going into the season? Did that game do anything to change what you thought of those two teams? Not not especially. I I think we all expected the Buccaneers to, uh, really compete again for the Super Bowl, uh, for the championship. And they've had, you know, aspirations to have a perfect year. The Cowboys, we knew they were going to be better than they were last year, getting Dak back, getting back healthy. You know, most of their offensive line was back, but you know, uh, Zach Martin was hurt, and uh, now they're even missing an offensive tackle who's suspended for a few Yeah, Lyle Collins. Yeah, Lyle mm-hmm. Collins, which is big for them. Uh, but I'll tell you, one player that I was really impressed by that really changes my kind of thoughts on what, hap- what is going to happen with this team was Micah Parsons. He was all over the field. I mean, he was he, he was mm-hmm. not the only guy playing defense for the Cowboys, but it was a guy that we talked about a little bit going into the draft and how he had so much talent, but he sat out the last year because of COVID at Penn State, had some uh, character questions. But, man, I, I think he's a star in the making on defense for the Cowboys. And uh, if the Cowboys can you know, get their defense you know, back right with uh, Dan Quinn, you know, it'll be tough to do now that uh, they have another guy that's out for the injury. Uh, but man, it'll for him and for the Cowboys defense. If he's such a good playmaker uh, like he was Thursday, I expect the Cowboys to really be in contention for the NFC East and could make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, that's great analysis, Chase. What do you think about what Graham had to say, and what did you think of the game overall? Did your perception change at all? I, I will say first of all, I mean, we it, you kind of have to claim in the NFL when you nail kind of an analysis because things are just so – I mean, we look back – I look back at the pod last week, and uh, one thing I felt like we got right was saying this was going to be a phenomenal game and what a, what a mm-hmm. fun up. 
Because, man, you get them wrong so much. The NFL is just such, like, close games that sometimes, man, you feel like you got a good grasp on a situation and you're just wrong. But uh, we were right on this front. Graham, I wanted to say, I, I think you nailed the Micah Parsons uh, eval. For him to be a rookie, I mean, I remember – He's lead, he's leading their defense already week one. Well, there's no mm-hmm. doubt in my mind. I completely agree. And, man, I mean, you look at him, and the reason he is is because he looks like an NFL linebacker. You know what I'm saying? Like, he fits the part. But, Hampton, I want to actually throw it to you because me and you Uh-oh. had a conversation during the game. Dan, you, you said Dan Quinn leading the defense, hopefully Michael Parsons. And, and I'm here for that. But when they played zero coverage against Tom Brady in the red zone, <laughs> I mean, it really makes you question, like, man, have we really thought about some situational football? I think that they they got some building pieces. But that was like, like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like what happens if they – they don't play that, and somehow they, they hold them to a field goal. Like, like the game's different. You know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. what if, but what did you think about kind of, I guess, their defense and as they're putting it together? Um, I know we got a storyline that's come out about their defense. What, what do you think about the Cowboys' defense going forward? Well, I think they're in trouble. Uh, not only because, as Suave will mention later in the show, they lost their best defensive player, arguably, in Demarcus Lawrence, and he's going to be out for – the majority of the year, all right? So that's their main pass rusher, their best defensive lineman. He's gone. Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, to me, are the two upside players on that defense. I think out of the rest of the defense, there's no one else I can point to and be like, all right, that guy I want on my team. Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, who I thought had an up-and-down rookie year. Dude, Trayvon locked down Mike Evans. Yeah, he did. You know, at Kyle Edwards, who's not here right now. Yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah. And I think that just shows his growth. And there was one play, I believe it might have been on the final drive, where it's like second down and Brady's trying to get the ball to Evans. And Trayvon, like, levitates and makes this incredible play, jumping backwards in an incredible display of athleticism. So I think those two players are really, really good. I think – and as good as Parsons is, I think they could have and should have probably gone for another corner because their other corners got absolutely roasted the entire night. And while I don't – I think Parsons is a significant upgrade over Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, mainly due to injuries for those two guys that have cut into their athleticism – I think the drop-off from Trayvon Diggs to their next best corner is so vast and so wide that it's as wide as the Grand Canyon. And why would, you know, Jordan Lewis and I think uh, Casey is the guy's last name. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, they were just getting burnt all night by Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, who granted are good receivers, but they, I mean, they just half the time didn't even put up a real good fight. Now, speaking on that coverage, that was inexcusable. I don't know why you would ever blitz 44-year-old Tom Brady when cover zero and leave nobody in the middle of the field and just sell out on third down. I get one to pressure him, and that's where he kind of uh, sometimes makes mistakes and is prone to that. But that's just – I think you have to be more creative in how you do it, not just send the house and not expect him to make a one-on-one throw and expect – Gronk to beat their guy. I just think, um, especially in that situation and a couple other ones, um, I don't think they did a really good job of game planning 
Um, and I got to give a shout out to Byron Letwich. I thought in the first drive, he didn't call um, the first drive of the game. I didn't like what he did um, on, you know, some of his um, decisions to go like run, run on first, second down, and then pass. Well, when they got the ball back, it was like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go five wide, and we're going to let Tom Brady, like Graham said, just pick you apart, death by a thousand cuts, and just be the surgeon that he is. And I'm not going to lie to you, that is one of the best games I've seen Tom Brady play. And I know the defense um, is not up to par and is not an elite unit by any stretch of the imagination. But, guys, his movement in the pocket, his anticipatory throws – his looking off of safeties, you know, looking to the, you know, going through progressions, looking to the left and cutting back the right, dropping a dime in the bucket. I mean, it was just an impressive, um, impressive showing from Tom Brady. And I think the Bucks' offense is very much um, in good position for the rest of the year. Their defense worries me a little bit um, that they were not able to get pressure on Dak um, and that offense, um, considering that the Cowboys were down one of their best offensive linemen, but um, I think that Cowboys defense, I know that was your original question. Um, if they don't win the NFC East, that's going to be the culprit. It's not going to be Dak in that offense. It's going to be that defense letting them down yet again after they did last year. No, and I, I agree with that completely. I think that, you know, when you look at talent wise, you know, the Cowboys offense is close to the top of um, the NFL, especially the NFC East, you know, the, not that it should be theirs for the taking, but if that offense can can play like it did Thursday night, build on it, add to it, uh, then I think that the Cowboys are in for um, something good. But and then the last thing, you know, I think you you got to you know point out you, you at least got to try and disguise you know that you're going cover zero. You can't just show it and say you know what we're putting everybody on the line and yeah, letting, not uh, free snap. You can absolutely. Yeah, Especially like Tom Brady, you know, it might work with a you know a rookie quarterback like maybe isn't sure about coverages in the NFL. But Tom Brady, he's been there, he's done that, and mm-hmm. uh, that that's what came back to bite him. Um, Chase, do you have another headline uh, from this week of NFL football? Yeah, I do. Um, and I want to ask you guys, Grandma, I'll ask you just right off the top of your head, do you know who won the uh, NFC Offensive Player of the Week this week? I do. Who is it, Hampton? That would be one Matthew Stafford. Fellas, I think that if you tune into this podcast, you'll hear me say that I think the Rams are going to be special this year because of this man right here. And I'm sure that there's some really fun, uh, clever newspaper headline of how excited Matthew Stafford looked to play on the He looked like a pig in mud. (laughs) I mean, he looked excited. I mean (laughs) – I know he's been in the league for a little bit, fellas, but he looked so excited to be there. I mean, he looked like a little kid running through the candy aisle at the grocery store. Yep. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he was excited. McVay was they, excited. Yes. Everything that they they really, like, tried to – those couple times I felt like kind of in the middle of the game they got a little – like they kind of got shut down. But overall, mm-hmm. they had this game the whole time. And there was blown coverages due to good scheming, but not to the belabor – have to give me that word, the labor. How do you say? Labor the point. You got it, the buddy. Point. That was uh, that was my vocab word of the week, like you always do. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about. All right, so Matthew Stafford has found his new home. He's run away 
and he's found his new home, and the grass is greener on the other side. But, fellas, I think there's still a little bit of conflict in the household of Green Bay, Wisconsin. A little bit. A little bit. I, a little bit. I, I don't – I'm not really – I'm not ready to, to burn the house down. But, fellas, what do y'all think about what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and this Green Bay team? And I mean, really the organization as a whole. Do we feel like this is more than just a bad game? Is there, is there more than that? Just a bad performance? Do you just, you know, move on to the next? Or is there really something going on here, Swab? What do you think? You know, Chase, that's a great question. I, part of me wants to say there's something else going on here. It may be a point of Aaron Rodgers saying, well, you know, I don't want to be here in the first place. This is my last year since they reconstructed his contract. He can go wherever he wants after this year. Devontae Adams doesn't have a contract extension. He's like, it's not going to get done. And, I mean, I've never seen Aaron Rodgers just throw back-to-back interceptions. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. just, just so reckless and careless. And then he comes out in the press conference, well, this is just an outlier. Well, it's going to tell a lot on this Monday night football game. We preview upcoming later in the segment if, if, that, if that game was just an outlier. What about you, Hampton? You know, the conspiracy minded me. <laughs> just follow me for a second. What if, you know, we heard all offseason Rodgers was displeased with Green Bay, that he wanted out. Pre-game, he gets interviewed, and he talks about before the draft, he thought he was going to get traded to the 49ers or the Broncos and thought that was a real possibility. He doesn't say – he's radio silent. Then he shows up the day of training camp with – you know, that Kevin um, Malone shirt with a pot full of chili on the ground. And guess what? Their performance on Sunday equated that shirt. It looked like Kevin when he dumped the chili on the ground in the office. That is what that performance looked like on Sunday. And what if Mr. Rogers is kind of intentionally sabotaging this team? Now, I don't think he's actually doing this because I think he's too much of a competitor He's got too much pride, and he, I think he's a guy who truly cares about his legacy and how he is perceived um, in the media and in history. So I don't think he's doing this. But would it shock me? Would it shock any of y'all if he was intentionally playing bad just to kind of stick it to the Packers? Not me, but I will say this. I, I know that was a little bit of a rabbit trail, and um, thank you for humoring me with that. I'm with you, Chase. I'm not gonna. I'm not pushing the red button. I'm not panicking. But like Swaff said, I've never seen him play that badly. And honestly, he looked very disinterested. Like he didn't look like he cared. Uh, his hair in the bun, man. He looked like he had aged ten years. Uh, he looked like an extra off a of True Detective season one with Matthew McConaughey. Um, <laughs> and I just, I don't know. I'm. I'm worried about them a little bit. Their offensive line's unsettled. Uh, Aaron Jones didn't do anything really, and their defense got diced up. And I, you know, I'll give credit to Jameis and Sean Payton and that coaching staff. I think Sean Payton's proven more and more that he might be the quarterback developer, the best one in the league, because whoever he gets his hands on, he turns into um, one of you know a top tier quarterback. And I'm not 
going to say that about Jameis after game one, but Jameis has never looked um, that good. Uh, so shout out to him and shout out to that team for coming ready to play in a difficult circumstance when they got moved from their home in New Orleans to go play in Jacksonville. But Graham, what do you think on all this real quick? And then uh, Chase can put a bow on this one for us. Yeah, you got to give credit to the Saints. I mean, coming to play a, a quote-unquote home football game that's not at their home stadium, um, you know they were you know had that on their mind and uh, all those going on down there. But you know, I think in Green Bay there's real problems, and mm-hmm. I, I'm really high on Aaron Rodgers. I'm a big Aaron Rodgers fan, but if Green Bay wants to do anything this year, it will take the most out and the best out of Aaron Rodgers. And what all happened this offseason, you're not going to get the most out of Aaron Rodgers this year because you, you've already you know, irked him. You've already kind of you know, pissed him off. So you're, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to put his body on the line to make that extra play. Whereas last year, I think that you know, in that in that playoff game, Aaron Rodgers would you know almost give a leg you know to be able to go for it on fourth down to be able to at least try and win the game. And this year, I, I don't necessarily know if that's the case. I think you know not that Aaron Rodgers is gonna you know, you know purposely play bad, but I don't I don't think he's gonna give it his you know one hundred and twenty percent. I mean, maybe he gives it the ninety five percent, but he's not gonna look to make that extra play to get those extra two yards where he might try and you know protect himself. Whereas you know, last year at this time he he might have uh, put his body on the line. So in Green Bay, I'm not too high on that situation. Chase, mm-hmm. uh, what what do you think about the game? And uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers with the man bun disappointed didn't get the job with Jeopardy. I mean, just it could, things couldn't go worse if you're uh, Aaron Rodgers right now. Yeah, I think I think that we, that y'all pointed out something that's a really good point that we we need to give credit to this Saints team that uh, did their due diligence, and it's like they found where Aaron Rodgers has the worst uh, record and they played Jacksonville and they just, they, they schemed it from, from that's a good point too. Yeah. Detail. I mean, that, that's Sean Payton with his signature at the bottom of that call. So we need to give credit to the saints. They're going to be a whole lot better than I think that they were going to be this year. And uh, I, I sure. think, and I'm willing to say that because I didn't think they were going to be good at all. And this, this showed me just a lot there that they can come to play, but this is what I want to wrap this up and put a boat, land this plane on this storyline is that, Man, it, it teams seem to be a whole lot better when they're having fun. I see the LA Rams out there in their new stadium, mm-hmm. and everybody's smiling, having a good time. Got the California weather, exactly where Aaron Rodgers wants to be. True, he's up mm-hmm. where it's about to go into freezing temperatures, and he's in a place he don't want to be right now, fellas. I think this is just something we should keep our eye on because he's always played well in cold weather. But man, there's something about that sunny California that might call his name, and he. Uh, you know, it, it just just look and see the facial expressions. That might show you more than actually the stat line. So, Hampton, I want to ask you though, what what stood out to you this week, this opening week of NFL football? What caught your eye? Well, I got to be honest. My biggest takeaway is that I'm going to get me a nice big Jack's meal at the end of this year after Kyle Edwards is proven wrong <laughs> and Sam Darnold is not going to be a top ten quarterback by the end of the year. That was one of my bigger takeaways. Uh, no, but for real, um, <laughs> had to get a shot at him while he wasn't here. My biggest takeaway and my most enjoyable game that I kind of watched all weekend, or one of the Falcons and Eagles. Games, 
No. Falcons and Eagles, classic. <laughs> They'll be playing that one on NFL Network for years to come. Yes. Um, no, the Bama Bowl Part 1. Shout out to Coach Nitty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mac Jones and the New England Patriots hosted Tua Tunga Bailoa and the Miami Dolphins. And Miami came out on top, 17-16. to 16. And I thought, one, this game, I think both quarterbacks played well. I think we can honestly say both quarterbacks, there were some things that they could have done better for Mac. Uh, I think he needs to push the ball down the field a little bit more, which I think by design his game plan was not crafted around him pushing the ball vertically. Now, when he needed to, like on that wheel route to James White, he threw a dime. He threw a couple up the scene that were really nice, but for the most part, he was dinking, dunking, taking what the defense gives, which is exactly what Josh McDaniels wanted him to do. Uh, he made one mistake at the beginning of the game, throwing the ball backwards, so that's something he can get cleaned up. But overall, I think for his first start, he played really, really well, was really impressed with him. And for Tua, again, I don't think anything he can do can satisfy some people because yeah. I think he played a C-plus to B-minus game, and I think that's a fair assessment. But given the – circumstances that he had to face, like going to Foxborough, playing, I believe, a top five defense in the New England Patriots who had a great game plan for him. The offensive line, who's really young, still come together, who actually did better than I anticipated in the game of actually keeping them clean, creating some running lanes for the um, for their running backs. I thought he played pretty well. He pushed the ball downfield. He made some good throws including one um, to Jalen Waddle down the left sideline, one to Devontae Parker down the right sideline on J.C. Jackson, who's still yapping and running his mouth after he took the L. Uh, I thought he played pretty well. Now, that interception, bad. I think he, it was bad. I think he, he was bad, trying to throw – <laughs> I thought he was trying to throw the ball away, but I still think that's one where you just hang on to it and you eat the sack uh, and you live to fight another day. But I saw growth in Tua. He looked healthy. He moved the pocket well. Uh, and overall, I think Miami, we'll get into this later in the show, they're really well positioned to maybe have a firm grasp of the AFC East after two weeks with Buffalo coming to town and Buffalo not looking as impressive in their week one bout versus the Steelers. So overall, I thought both quarterbacks played really well going against good defenses there are things to improve on for both of them, but uh, overall, great job by them. And uh, Graham, what did what did you make of this game? Did you get to watch any of it? Yeah, it, it was a fun game to watch. And Hampton, you were talking about the Dolphins having a chance to you know take a firm grasp on uh, that AFC uh, East. But man, I'll tell you somebody that didn't firmly grasp it. That was hey, uh, Damian hey, Harris, hey, hey. man. I mean, just, <laughs> yeah, I mean. The fumble, that last fumble he had was huge. I mean, when it's a, a one-point game, you really have to uh, protect the football. And um, I think that, you know, if, if you're an Alabama fan, you're an NFL quarterback fan, you got to be satisfied uh, with Mac Jones, with Tua, and uh, both of their you know, offenses. But it, it just came down to, you know, who turned the ball over last, and that was mm-hmm. uh, the Patriots. That's what well, it ended up costing the game. So. 
And that's why you pay Xavier Howard. That's why, you know, after a whole offseason of kind of a holdout between him and the organization, that's why you pay him for him to go in there when it looks like all hope is lost and make that play on Damian Harris. Because, yes, Damian's got to hold on the ball better. But that was an incredible play by X to go in there, force the fumble, and then recover it. And, you know, I didn't mention this, but credit to the Dolphins offense for coming back. Three minutes left on the clock, backed up on their own four-yard line to a audibles to an RPO to get them out of their own goal line. That that was a gut, gutsy move. And when they needed to, they um, they ran the ball and they ran the clock out. And they didn't give the Patriots another chance to win the game for Mac Jones to maybe have a, his first signature moment as a starting quarterback for the Patriots. So I got I forgot to give kudos to them on that. I mean, that was a I think a real sign of growth for Tua and that offense. Good point. I want to chime, I want to chime in here, and I mean, I think that that the two played well. Um, yeah, but man, I, I really think that uh, the way that Mac Jones stepped into, I don't I don't know you I, I'm not like I don't know the Patriots offense in depth to the point that I could really comment on how like deep their playbook is and how confusing it might be to learn. But man, he looked like he stepped in and had been there for years. Um, I was just really impressed at his presence. That yes. sounds really like a pastoral care chaplain word. His that I posture. Yeah. Yeah. His <laughs> posture, his empathetic listening as he was coached. Um, but no, I, I really think <laughs> he, took, he took command of that offense and looked like somebody wanted to win that game. And I will he say did. though, Justin Herbert doesn't really have that. We, we've seen that but like both methods work, but there's something about like, like he showed me that he had grit, and I, I, I like when players get out there. I think that's what everybody's like, you know, when, when they're looking at Mac and they're making this Tom Brady comparison. There's that grit of just like I, like I want to win this game because it's more than just like a paycheck at the end of the month. But hey, kudos that, like you said, Hampton. I, I think we can't blame this loss on Damian Harris. We no, we can, but it's like that's why you pay Howard. Because he's mm-hmm. he's that type of defensive player. I think that's a great way to put credit where credit's due. But at the same time, I mean, I, I thought that – I mean, I really thought they were driving. They kick a field goal. We're having a different conversation at this time. And uh, I, I, I do think that this will be a fun matchup to keep up with because mm-hmm. our, this, they play again in week 18, right? Yeah, week 17 or 18. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's literally one of the last games of the season, which is just a very interesting way to schedule all this. So, man, what what a, what a fun matchup! It, it it delivered. It was kind of the storyline for us Alabama fans. But man, what what a fun! I'm glad you mentioned that. Very good matchup, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that we uh we got to press into it yeah. a little. And I will say, this is my last point, and then I'll kick it to Suave to get our final takeaway from Week One. The the Miami defense gave up a bunch of yards, but they did a really good job when they got into the red area of bending but not breaking and coming up with key pivotal stops. And if it weren't for a bogus, and I'm not just saying this as a Dolphins fan, a bogus rough in the pasture call on a Landon Roberts, the Patriots don't score a touchdown in that game. Uh, the only reason they scored a touchdown was they were given another shot by a rough in the passer where he ran right through the running back, Ramondre Stevenson, and he was never seen again because he got blown up. And then – He's kind of fallen, and he just, like, 
grabs Mac's feet or thighs. I mean, didn't what it wasn't roughing, but it got called that. They gave him another shot. Um, but I think both defenses showed that they're going to be top five, top ten in the league. And Jalen Waddle, watch out this year, boys. He's going to have a big year. Was really electric and arguably created the most separation of any Miami receiver. So I was really impressed by that too. Mr. Suave, I want to hear from you, man. What was your biggest takeaway from week four? What kind of caught your eye when you were scouring all the games this weekend? You know, uh, Graham and Chase hit on it to start with. You know, you got fans back in the stands. And what really stood out to me was that Monday night football game. The first, I mean, the Raiders and the Ravens. The first time the Raiders are going to be playing in Las Vegas in their new stadium with fans. Yep. And who was leading the charge? Max Crosby. Every time I look up on the screen, he's getting the fans involved, saying, come on, bring the noise. I mean, he's making play after play after play. And, you know, I, and you know they, they talked about his sobriety. I mean, he, he's a year and a half, you know, and he's getting his mind focused on football. And, I mean, he looked like a pro bowler out there to me. But I was really impressed with him and the Raiders' defense. They really made Lamar Jackson uh, kind of uh, feel a little pressure and, and not know what to do with the ball. And another player I want to talk about, I mentioned about him last week on the pod, and that was uh, Derwin James for the Chargers. His first game back after uh, missing the previous two years due to injuries. And normally it takes a little time for someone to just knock the rust off and get back to uh, – you know, live reps, you know, playing against another team. And, folks, he, he graded out the highest DB um, coverage rate over the weekend at 90.2. I mean, what an impressive way to come back to the Chargers. And, you know, Chase, you talked about it, you know, Justin Herbert and the grit. I mean, the question we had with this new Chargers coach was when it gets to crunch time, fourth quarter, and it's a one-possession game, can the Chargers hold on and win the game? And they got the ball with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. The Redskins, the Washington football team, did not get the ball back. They drove the field from in, inside the own five-yard line all the way down to the Washington football team's five-yard line and did not allow them to get the ball back. So, so great effort from the Chargers and Derwin James and even Max Crosby. Man, Suave, I, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I had the thought on Sunday – I was like, we kept talking about how the Chargers had so many close games that they had bad time management on. I'm with you, Suave. We kept saying all they have to do is get a coach who can just manage time better. And they'll, they'll, they can literally turn, you know, I don't remember how many games it was, but it was it was more than one, more than two. It might have been three or four. And, uh, Suave, you're, you're spot on with that analysis because I even had that thought. I was like, last year mm-hmm. they lose the game. And that, that's a great take. I'm glad that you mentioned that. It was um, 23 games over the past, I believe, three years where the games were decided by one possession. And just last year they lost, I believe the announcer said, six or seven one-possession games. Man. So it, it wow. was a great start for the What Chargers. a stat. That's, why yeah. that's, that, that, that's some deep analysis because I, I had that short thought and I actually had – I heard Coach Brown on a on a Pat <laughs> show – uh, man, he was just talking about how like time management is so crucial in the NFL because if you watch these like college teams, they'll be running out for two minute drills and they got too many people on the field. They don't know mm-hmm. they won't they won't get out of bounds. 
And, uh, man, Swab, that, that's a great point because that means that the Chargers might be really putting themselves in a position where they've been playing good football but where they start finishing some of these games. But, fellas, we have – we have an, an, I, I, I mean, a regular on this podcast. But, you know, <laughs> he, he decided to, to take his sweet time getting home. But, Kyle, we know that you got you're, – you're here, but, you, man, you've got something that you want to talk about, a team that you, that you love so much – What's good, baby? What's up, bro? Tell us what your tell us what your takeaway is. Yes, sir. So, hey, man, I, I apologize for being late, but it's good to be on as always. So, last year I had my couple teams that I liked, but I really liked like this Arizona Cardinals team. I knew they weren't quite there yet. Had questions about Kingsbury. Had questions about other parts of their roster. You know, was Kyler Murray there yet? But did anybody have a more impressive win than they did it last week? I don't, I don't think anybody did. I mean, they destroyed uh. the Tennessee Titans. And, yeah, I know Tennessee's deep. Uh, who, who, what, you don't tell, you're going to say Miami had a more impressive win? And two of us? No, no. No, no but, for real, my, the Steelers. I thought this, what the Steelers did was more impressive. Maybe so. You can make that argument. You can definitely make that argument. But I've, I've never – Josh Allen's a great quarterback. Um, but I'm, I don't think he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And Pittsburgh's always had an elite defense. Um, I don't think anybody – I know Pittsburgh won relatively convincingly, but I, I don't think anybody's shocked that Pittsburgh won that game. But for Arizona to go on the road and win that game in the fashion that they did and the manner that they did, I mean, they had their way in every facet of the game. Kyler looked like an MVP candidate this year. I mean, you had Edmonds running the ball well, D-Hop doing his thing, and then you get a guy like Chandler Jones on the edge going for five sacks and two strip sacks. I mean, they were clicking on all cylinders, and if – if this team is clicking like that all year, I mean, I know they're in a tough division and the Rams look as legit as ever. But, man, with Kyler, Kyler Kyler's a sneaky MVP pick this year. Um, if he plays like that, I mean, he was lighting them up. But I, I really like this Cardinals team last year, and I like them even more this year. Um, tough division, but that was probably one thing that's, that – I took away from this week was Arizona's legit. Kyler's got experience, and they're here. That's kind of the take I had from this week. Oh, my Chandler Jones. Oh, my Chandler Jones is exactly right. Um, yeah, wow. But, Hampton, you kind of you had a little bit of a rebuttal. Are you, are you saying that I'm overreacting to the Cardinals, or do you think – or do you kind of see where I'm coming from? I see where you're coming from. Here's my, here's my only caveat, my only point. I don't think the Titans won. Their de- I told you their defense was trash. They were bad last year. And so with a healthy Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury is a brilliant offensive mind, I was not shocked by what they did. Chandler Jones is one of the more underrated defensive players in the NFL. Give me my um, money. Underpaid. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not underrated. Underpaid. <laughs> underpaid. Yeah, but he just didn't get talked about enough, though, even by us. Yeah. Because um, I think he's a really, really solid defensive player. Um, and Taylor, it didn't matter who they put. They Taylor won uh, the backup to him, the backup to him. It didn't matter. No one was blocking him. And so I thought that was a really impressive performance. But it's week one, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change what I thought of that division uh, going into the year because I think all three of the other teams, except maybe San Fran, in the later half. Um, you know, I think they. Um, we're not as impressive, but Seattle and uh, Los Angeles 
were for sure. And my last point before I kick it to Swab to kind of give us some breaking news, and then we can kind of get into a little bit of fantasy talk and then predict week two. Swab, your point about the Raiders' defense, perfect, because they got Gus Bradley in as a defensive coordinator, and it they looked not only – did they look better as far as how they were moving around and like athletic wise? Like they look like they actually had some dudes this year. They looked so much more well coached, so much more well prepared. And I think that was a great point by you and shout out to Derek Carr for really rebounding and having a great second half um, after a really lackluster first half. And I think, him feeding Darren Waller and guys like Henry Ruggs, if they can continue to get him involved. Like Chase, Chase and I, I think, are preaching on top of that mountain the good news of how you should use Henry Ruggs in your offense. And then our guy, Brian Edwards, who we both love pre-draft, great job by him to kind of come up big in that fourth quarter. So really impressed by the Raiders. And uh, the Ravens are going to – it's going to be a rough start of the year, and I think it's going to be a rough year overall due to injuries and some other stuff. So, Suave. Um, I think, guys, we recap week one really, really well, touched on a variety of topics, and we still, you know, as we're picking and predicting week two, we can still touch on a little bit of those points as well. But, Suave, why don't you um, give us the breaking news going around in the NFL right now and then kick us off with a little fantasy talk, and we'll briefly talk about that before we predict uh, week two games. I'll be glad to. First, I want to finish a little point on that Raiders defense. They went out and got K.J. Wright from the Seahawks, who's been there 10 seasons, and he's third in career tackles on their defense. And, I mean, j- just a bit off the point, Raiders made played great defensively. All right, so to get y'all caught up in some of the injuries this week, you know, we have OBJ's already ruled out for this week. Uh, that's a surprising scratch. I know uh, last week they were hoping he could play this week the same thing, but he is out. Demarcus Lawrence is out for a while. Michael Gallup is on IR. Randy Gregory is out. Ronald Darby and Jerry Judy are both placed on IR. Jared McCoy is on IR. Uh, I know this is going to hurt you, Hampton. It hurts me, too. Raquan Davis has been placed on IR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jamison Crowder for the Jets is on IR. And uh, Raheem Mostert, the starting running back for the Niners. Uh, He's out for the year. He is out for the year. It was first reported that he was going to be out for eight weeks and hopefully come back around week 10, uh, week 11 and start. But uh, he got further evaluation, and uh, he's going to be out for the season. And get caught up on some fantasy football. If you started these players, most of y'all should have won. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Mixon. Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, uh, Amari Cooper, Travis Kelsey, Flex, uh, Adam Thielen. The defense was the Saints, and the kicker was Matt Gay. And just to give y'all two players to keep an eye on for fantasy if y'all are searching the waiver wires, I'll go uh, Nelson Aguilar for the Patriots. Uh, He would be Mm -hmm. a good pickup. And then Hunter Renfro from the Raiders would be a good pickup to make. And one player that might surprise you later in the season would be Elijah Moore. He didn't get as much targets against the uh, Carolina Panthers, but later this season uh, he should pick up. And Graham, do you have any fantasy players you keep an eye on? I I don't have just you know one fantasy player. I have a whole position group. You know, Swab, uh-huh. like you mentioned, uh, Raheem Mostert out for the year. 
And so that really just puts a big question mark on the 49ers uh, starting running back. And uh, what what we know of Kyle Shanahan is not that he's misleading, but he doesn't always tell you the whole truth. Uh, for example, there was a, a point in the season last year where uh, Raheem Mostert was uh, hurt. And so uh, Jarek McKinnon was supposed to be the lead back. Uh, I think they were playing the Patriots. And M- McKinnon played like three snaps the entire game. So uh, Kyle Shanahan really does like to play the, the hot hand, um, whoever's doing the best right then and there. So um, I'm not telling you to not pick up the guys off the waiver wire that the 49ers or, or start them. I, I'm just saying be cautious. Just think twice before you uh, put them in your starting lineups because, you know, there, there's three of them right now. You know, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Jamica, uh, Jamichael Hasty, and Trey Sermon uh, all in that backfield. And uh, Elijah Mitchell had a great week uh, this past week. He stepped in as soon as Mostert got hurt and really did a good job. Um, but we know about Kyle Shanahan is that things vary week to week. So, you know, you know, last week it might have been Elijah Mitchell. This next week it might be Trey Sermon. The week after that it might be Jabaiqua Hasty. So uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket uh, for the 49ers uh, running backs. Um, Kyle, you have a player of the week for us. Uh, that maybe you're uh, keeping your eye on off the waiver wire or or a guy that maybe you should start this week if you're thinking about? Well, I just want to say this. I got a little bit of a rant about fantasy football. We want to talk about winners fantasy-wise this week. It's the entire Dallas Cowboys receiving core. And, shoot, even the Tampa Bay receiving core. Dak came out and slung the ball 60 times. And it seemed like every single person in that game ate up some fantasy points, except for one man. The one man I was fortunate enough to draft, and his name was Mike <laughs> Evans. The man had like two, maybe three catches. Got me like five and a half points. And I'm sitting there watching this game. I'm watching Dak sling it, for, sling it 60 times. I'm watching Brady drop it in buckets to A.B. down the sideline. I'm watching all this, and I don't even see Mike Evans in the screen anywhere. And I'm just sitting here like, you got to be kidding me. So instead of necessarily a player, I'm going to take the biggest loser of the week. And it's got to be Mike Evans' owners. I mean, that was because Trayvon Diggs shut his butt down. For a guy like Mike. I don't care who's out there. I mean, that was sorry, <laughs> dogs being crazy right now uh, for all you listeners. Um, but that that's that was my biggest takeaway. I was watching that game, the game script, watching Tom Brady throw it all over all over the place, watching Dak throw it all over the place, and I was just thinking Mike Evans is going to go for forty. But he didn't, and I lost, and I'm blaming it on Mike Evans. So, Chase, what you got? Fair enough, man. I think for my fantasy analysis this week, I think if you're looking for maybe – I think my value pick is if you were able to grab a – like honestly, I think it's Antonio Brown. I think that we saw that that Thursday night. Mm -hmm. Everybody was really excited about just a value pick, a guy who is uh, consistently in like the top one or two – rounds and you know because of all the stuff in his life that's happened uh, he dropped but still the same phenomenal player um so i think that's going to be kind of my my fantasy like hey you might have found a diamond but what i'll I'll also mention just anybody on this uh Bengals team they really impressed me by beating the vikings it kind of showed me that they're actually legit they're not just throwing the ball trying to dig themselves out of a hole joe mixon played well this team might be coming together, fellas. I, I don't know if I'm ready to crown them yet, but I'm not. Maybe, maybe just, I'm just I'm just saying they might be getting out of the hole. They're starting to see the 
start to see the horizons they climb out. And I, I think that Joe Mixon played well, which I know if you're a fantasy owner, you've been waiting a long time for him to play well. So congratulations if you have him on, his, uh, on your team. But I think, man, when I start thinking of maybe some fantasy players that you want to stay away from, I'm going to simply put it like this. If they're on the Atlanta Falcons, you might need to you might need to start looking at some other options. Um, I, I just I I maybe it was just a bad week, maybe but it looks like it's going to be one of those. You hired a new coach, we'll start turning the ship around, fellas. It, it it looked rough, and I didn't get to watch every snap. I know that Jalen Hurts can be tough to play against, but man, I mean they 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 look pretty poor. So. You got if you're yeah. just talking fantasy, you might want to stay away from what they've got going on down there. Two what things. Do you think? Yeah, go Hampton. Yeah, two things. Oh, hey, Chase, um, I know, I know you got, I know you got. <laughs> hold on, I got it, I got it, and I'll kick it to you, Kyle. Two things, Chase. You say Arthur Smith turned the ship around. I think he turned the ship deeper and da- uh, deeper and further down into the water. That's what it looked <laughs> like on Sunday for me. And uh, uh, just to make a point. Um, to compliment your other point about Jamar Chase, all three of the top ten picks at receiver scored touchdown this week, had a good yes, game. Uh, so very promising potential from that rookie wide receiver draft class. Kyle, go ahead, and then uh, we'll move on to picks of the week. I was just going to go real quick and say, Chase, you're the proud owner of Mr. Kyle Pitts, and I was just going to ask if a bag of chips was worth for him because I could go for a tight end right now. And I, I thought that that I like just so that the listeners know that's one guy that I was really high on saw a lot of good information, and I was mm-hmm. like this can be one of those guys that I'm willing to like say screw the rankings and drop down and get him. But fellas, I also have Matt Ryan on my team just because he was there whenever we were drafting, and I am very disappointed in what came. I, I thought that that was going to be like even when the Falcons don't win, this guy was still going to produce well. That that's not going to be the case going forward, I'm afraid. So, Kyle, I mean, hey, we, I'm in the market. I'm in the market for pits. We'll be in touch. Yeah, well, we'll be in touch. <laughs> just just listeners, me and me and Kyle did have a interesting uh, preseason draft uh, speculation. Just put an offer on the table of uh, Swift, DeAndre Smith, Swift for uh, Antonio Brown. So, man of astute character, man of astute character. And uh, what, a, what a fun storyline to come out! I mean, just I, I mean, in the midst of that trade, I was surprised that it was uh, surprised it was Swift. That uh, who knows, man? What an interesting like. How do you make that up? But that's not what we're here to talk about. That 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 should have been my takeaway. Is how in the world does do rumors start up that are that like they didn't they didn't wow. start with that lie. So I don't know, man. Really interesting. Well, well, they, well, they never, they okay. never like actually broke like media sports media service. Like I didn't really see anything about him. For for those that are confused, DeAndre Swift was accused of murder. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting there, but that's crazy. I don't know how that gets started. But Hampton, you can move us on if you want. Yeah, I think I think we're good. That was a good little fantasy fantasy recap. Good points by all y'all. Glad to take home the dub this week. So. Sorry, Andy Nee, but it had to be done. Um, shout out, shout out to Andy. <laughs> now um, I th- we're gonna have we're gonna have one shout out per pod. Um, I think that's gonna be the new uh, the new standard going forward. But now, guys, let's get into Week Two NFL Week Two predictions. I think for the most part, I got I know I got the Browns wrong, 
last week, which that was a great game. And I think I'm more impressed with the Browns now than I was before the game. Um, and so impressed by them. I picked the Dolphins to win. And what was and then the third game we picked was um, Bucks, Bucks and Cowboys. Cowboys. And I got the I picked the Bucks. So I went two for three. So not bad. Let's see if we can improve on it this week. Now we'll start with each week we're gonna do the Thursday night game and the Monday night game, regardless of how terrible they are. And guys, mm-hmm. I hate to disappoint you. They're pretty bad. So really quickly, I don't we don't even need to break these down. The Giants are going to visit the Washington football team on Thursday night. Mr. Haney, Chase Haney. I was about to say, let's let's add a little bit of it was coming it was coming um y'all mr chase how about you tell me who you think is going to win this game real quick and we can go rapid fire because i think it's going to be pretty consensus yeah fellas this this giants team has a lot of question marks not headed in the right direction no i I don't like it so i'm gonna have to go with the washington football team Tentative, tentative name, but I think I'm. I think I'm also a fan of that name. Let's stick with the Washington football team all around. Graham, what do you got? I, I'm with you. Uh, I, Saquon is like questionable. Antonio Gibson is healthy. Give me the Washington football team. Kyle, we already know it. Tell us why Taylor Heineke's having a great week. <laughs> I'm a, there he is. That's the man of the hour. That's the man you need to know. I'm a Washington football team homer. Danny Dimes is Danny turnovers. Despite the weapons he has, this is his last year as an starting quarterback in the league. Give me Washington. Hampton? Washington. Next game. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, not much else needs to be said because the Giants hey, – Hampton, Hampton, make, it, make it spicy. Give me – how many points do the Giants score? How many points? Yeah. Oof, 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 oof. Let's see. Chargers score 20. I think the Giants will score – uh, seven. Mm, I'll go 13. I think they'll get a touchdown. How many? I say 13. 13? 16. 16. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Next game. And I think arguably one of the bigger games of the weekend, if not the biggest, the Buffalo Bills coming in at 0-1, which many did not expect. I think pretty much everyone, even if we had asked last week on this pod, who would have won that Bills Steelers game. I think we would all pick the Buffalo Bills. They're traveling to Miami to play the one and zero, the one and zero Miami Dolphins. Kyle, who do you got in this one, man? Do you think the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen rebound, or do you think Tua Tagovailoa and his team get a firm grip? I love saying that firm grip on the AFC East. First of all, it's not Tua Tungavailoa and his team because he's not a captain, so it can't be Fair his enough. team. Fair <laughs> enough. Second of that all, that is such bullcrap. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who, who plays second the second half for the Dolphins? Shock some people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all I'm saying is, if I'm having to put Jacoby Brissett in to ice the game, I don't know who. I, I don't know what I want, and I don't know if I can pick them to win. But um, I, did, I think I did surprise some people when I picked the Dolphins, and I just think they were. Better all-around skill set, but more more prepared team. Um, but I think that Buffalo coming off of a loss, this is I'm not, there's no such thing as a must-win in week two of the NFL season. But you really don't want to get two games back in the division. You just came off playing our, one of the best defenses in the league. I think Josh Allen has a rebound game, and I think he has a little bit more firepower than Tua. 
I'm going to take the Bills in a close one. And Chase, what you got? Beautiful, man. I think I'm with you on this one. Not much more to say other than, yeah, I think that whenever it comes down to trying to sneak it on the goal line, got to put in Jacoby for that. So I'm messing. <laughs> I, I think I think I got to go with the Bills here. I think that uh, they've proved they have firepower. I think the Miami showed us a lot. Spreads only three and a half points. So yep. I think it will be a close one. It's going to be a fun game. Graham, what do you got? I'm going with the Bills, too. Uh, I'm looking at Devin Singletary this week. He had uh, average like six and a half yards of carry, so that was uh, impressive. Uh, but I, I'm going with the Bills uh, over the Dolphins uh, on the road. So, Hampton, tell us why you think we're wrong. Well, I'll be on an island. I don't care. <laughs> as long as you come back and uh, rescue me when I'm right. Uh, I will take the <laughs> Miami Dolphins to win this game. Now, going into the year, I would have probably picked Buffalo because Buffalo, I believe, is 5-1 and one in their last six against the Miami Dolphins. But I think it's different this year. I think the Dolphins um, are going to come out with a good game plan against Josh Allen. I think Pittsburgh kind of laid the blueprint a little bit as to what you have to do to limit or you know stifle their offense a little bit. They played a lot of that bare front. Uh, they dropped a lot in coverage and didn't try to blitz Allen. But also they have really they have two to three elite pass rushers with T.J. Watt. They added Melvin Ingram, which was a really good off-season signing that we really didn't talk about. And they got uh, Cam Hayward and Alex Highsmith. So they do have an impressive group of pass rushers on the Steelers. And I think the Dolphins with Emmanuel Ogba, Jalen Phillips, and Andrew Van Ginkle can not fully replicate what the Steelers did because I think the Steelers are much, much better in that aspect of their defense. But I think they can play a lot of man-to-man, which is what they're good at. Last year they almost beat the Bills in week two, but Xavier Howard got hurt. No Iguanagany went in. Then he got roasted like a rotisserie chicken by Stephon Diggs. And I think Xavier Howard can do a good job of limiting him. Byron Jones will have Emmanuel Sanders as well. And um, I think Tua, with the return of Will Fuller, is going to add another dimension to that offense, going to be able to stretch the field even more vertically. And, um, yes, I'm reading off the Dolphins' depth chart, and I don't care. Um, (laughs) uh, But I've got the Dolphins going to make a statement in week two, start out 2-0, and I think – uh, I think there's a lot going for them, and I think their offense is going to be a little more wide open this week. Um, so we'll go to the next game, which is – Hold on, me... Hampton, Hampton. I have, I have a quick question. Hampton, okay, bud. Question. Go ahead. I, I don't want this to spark a big, long debate. I'm just genuinely curious. How many games do you think the Dolphins win this year? It can be as simple as a one or two-word answer, and then we move on. I'm just genuinely curious. Eleven. Eleven. Okay. Cool. I think they go 11, 11 and six. Yep, that's my that's my pick. You you um, just got them beating the top two or three team in the AFC. So I was curious how many times you think they'd actually lose this year. But I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assumption. Eleven. I can well, see that. and the I don't think I'm just blindly saying oh they're going to beat them because I root for them. I think there were signs in week one, both on Miami's win and Buffalo's loss that kind of support that in my opinion. Um, now I'm not going to be shocked if Buffalo comes comes down and really bounces back because, I mean, I think they're a championship-level team. But I think Miami is kind of on the on the rise and ascending. So that's why I picked them in that game. The next game – I respect it. 
Yeah. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Good question. Uh, Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys with um, that are banged up offensive line with Collins is hurt. And then DeMarcus Lawrence being out for the year, they're traveling to Los Angeles to play Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Chase, what do you think in this one, man? Do you think the Cowboys avoid going 0-2 or do you think uh, the Chargers come out and make a statement in year two of Justin Herbert? Great. This is a really fun matchup again. It's always fun to talk about the Cowboys. But, man, I think I actually am going to go with the Cowboys on this one. I, I just I feel like they've got to make a step. And losing that first game mm-hmm. to, obviously, the GOAT, I think that this gives them like a, hey, look, fellas, we're still playing a really good team this week. But th- this one's got to be a W. We got We got to show that we're making a step in the right direction. They're going to really miss some of these players that are getting hurt. But I think you got to find a way for the coaching staff. So give me the Cowboys. I think it's going to be another shootout. Not much defense on their end, but man, I am I'm I'm excited to watch this game because I feel like it's not the the biggest like uh, uh, the Cowboys are big, but I think the Chargers are on the come up. It's going to be a sneaky good game. What do you think, Kyle? So yeah, I'm not too certain who I think is going to win it, but I know that whoever has people on this fan in this fantasy game are going to be the real winners here. I mean, Henry over. <laughs> I mean, geez, these the kids. It's gonna be a shootout. Uh, I sorry, Suave, but I'm not as high on the as on the Chargers as a lot of people are. I think Herbert's nice. Uh, he's he, he's up and coming. I don't think he's there yet, like a lot of people are saying. Um, I'm gonna pump the gate, pump the brakes on the Chargers. I rolled with the boys in in week one, and we still didn't boys in week two. Give me the boys. Uh, by I'm gonna say by about seven or eight. I like the boys this year. Graham, what you got? I'm going with the home team. I'm going to go with the Chargers here. Uh, my only concern is uh, Hampton talked about uh, Trayvon Diggs playing corner for the Cowboys. Seems to be their only uh, good defensive back. Uh, the Chargers mm-hmm. have one main weapon on the outside, Keenan Allen. If uh, that matchup goes in the Cowboys' favor, then I, the Cowboys will probably win. But I'm going to take the Chargers at home because of uh, offensive line injuries. Not a very good secondary for the Cowboys. Um, and I'm going to take Herbert with the time management here uh, and a close mm. one. Hampton, who you got? I kind of am going back and forth in my mind on this one, too. This one's tough. I mean, this is, it is this tough. be a really good game. It, yeah, you, you it is. Because... Like, to, to pick this week, two is really difficult because mm-hmm. both these teams yeah. can do it. What you got, Hampton? Absolutely. No, great point. And I think in, the, in their first – games respectively both chargers and the cowboys i was more impressed with what the cowboys showed than what Mm -hmm. the chargers showed against a washington football team who lost their starting quarterback not even a hat not even halfway through the game i think the cowboys know they need this game i think they're going to come in uh coop cd lamb and gallup or, well, Gallup's hurt. Never mind, not Gallup. But uh, Wilson, number one, I think they're going to have a really, really good game. And uh, I think Dak is going to kind of continue a little bit of a dark horse MVP campaign that I think he kicked off against the Buccaneers. And their defense, I think you made a great point about Trayvon Diggs, Graham. That's going to be key. And the Chargers in week one, while uh, Swab made a good point about them ending the game and icing it uh, with eight minutes to go, I think overall their offense did not play that well, and Justin Herbert um, almost cost him with an interception in the red zone. 
give me the Cowboys and a little bit of an upset pick this week. Uh, next game that we have is the Sunday night primetime game. And I'm sure there's going to be a little disagreement and division on this one. We got the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to the 0-1 Baltimore Ravens. And it's Patty versus Lamar. We've seen this story before. Does this one have a different ending? Graham Haney, tell me. I think the Chiefs are still too much. Uh, you know, running back injuries for the Ravens, big question mark there. I got Mark Andrews, so I hope they start to throw it to the tight end. Um, but I, I'm going with the Chiefs. I think that uh, they'll find ways to at least limit Lamar's explosive plays. And uh, Patty's going to be Patty. Give me the Chiefs. Kyle, who you going with? You know who I'm going with. Lamar's not even in the same stratosphere as Patty. And I feel like this is one of those games where it's MVP versus MVP primetime. Patty's not going to sleepwalk the first half in this one. Chiefs in a blowout. He's going to embarrass Lamar like he does every time they play. It's as simple as that. Chase, you, Mr. Lamar, has no weapons. Tell me why Lamar's going to win. Doesn't, still doesn't matter. <laughs> think, think that, that that pass that bounced off of Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed's hands in that Raiders game that he used to be like almost wide receiver one for the Ravens <laughs> last year. It's just yep. his hand would say abysmal. That would be the <laughs> one part that I would describe that situation. Fellas, I, I I mean, they're losing running backs left and right. I mean, I think they're they're they're, they're filling up the team, like their their running back room with decent talent. But man, I just I don't know, man. I I, I mean it's Kansas City all day for me, but this is what I've got to ask you, Kyle. Let, let's make this interesting. Not like a not like a why does Patrick Mahomes do this, but do you think he does it because like like this week there seems to be this like I can just flip it on and flip it off. Do you like that? Do you think it happens this week? Give me give me your take on this like on and off switch because I feel like whenever we were watching Brady play the Cowboys. Like you said, Hampton, that might have been the best game I've ever seen Brady just like continue to push and like mm-hmm. show me that that on that, that he could that he could flip it on and keep it on. Kyle, what do you think about that kind of on and off switch? And do you think that he keeps it on the whole time this game? Yeah, I mean, we we saw it a lot last year, um, but I think this is one of those games he has circled and because you know, especially back a year or two ago, or when Lamar was having his MVP year, it was kind of like the Ravens are here, Lamar's taking the throne. And I think this is a game that Patty has circled, Patrick Mahomes has circled uh, on the calendar. I think he sees it and he's going to make sure he, like, he doesn't see any threat to Baker. He does, he knows Baker's not coming for his throne from his quarterback in the in the AFC. Um, so I think this is a statement game. Uh, we kind of slept, walked the Browns, which they did it a lot last year. Do I love it? No, I don't. Um, but I at the don't. same time, you're, you're learning how to play from behind all the time, and there's nobody better at it than Patrick Mahomes. Well, you could argue Tom Brady. I'm not going to go there. But you could, but you could argue, man, if, if Mahomes gets the ball with a minute left in one time, he might not even need a timeout. They're going to at least get a field goal out of it. So to beat them, I mean, you're going to have to have a quarterback that can score in the last two minutes and give Mahomes no time left. And I don't think Mars he's – he's just not that guy. He's not that guy, man. He's just not that guy. So I – I think Mahomes takes this one, and I think they win convincingly in another embarrassment. We'll see another duck or two from Lamar. Then we'll see we'll see Mark Andrews getting blamed this week. Uh, but 
give me the Chiefs in not a very close game. Uh, I don't I don't think there's any slow play in here. I think I think they come out and make a statement this week. But Chase, are you? What do you think about the the turning it off and on? Do you think they are turning it off and on, or do you think they're just notorious for starting slow? I don't I don't know, man. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly like I I don't love it, but my thing is, is it's like, are they doing just enough to win in a sense? Like, are they truly kind of going back and forth? I don't know, man. Um, it's interesting to hear, and, and I'm sure that some of us got to hear, like, kind of the Peyton and Eli commentary. <laughs> man, th- yeah. there's so much deeper to this game when it comes to, like, checks and all that kind of stuff, man. The dude, sometimes you're just up there and you're, you're having, like, a like a mental back and forth with the defense coordinator. So I'll cut him some it's slack. It's a chess game. It's a chess game, man. And I'll cut him some slack and, and know that you can't score on every drive. But, man, I, I would love to see – him win the MVP still when he's considered to be like the young guy, the young talent. I'd love to see him win the MVP one more time just to be like, man, he he was like he finished his career and we're like, man, he was the greatest of all time. And we saw it in, in every like every game at each like every season. I, I would love to see it just for that fact. But that might be a little selfish of me as a as a fan. But Hampton, have you picked this game yet? What do you think? I have not. I have not. And as much as I'm looking forward to picking this game, I'm looking more forward to Chris Collinsworth Sunday night going, ow, I, this guy, ow, I'm, I, I'm <laughs> throw the ball, ow, I got, you know, I, I can't wait to hear that every time Patrick Mahomes flips to five yards and go, this guy, he, you wrong he's for that. You were so um, wrong for that. Am I wrong? Am I wrong, though? Like Dak threw two passes that first uh, Thursday night game. Ow, I tell you, he looks back, Al. I mean, goodness <laughs> gracious. I love Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels. They're great. They're uh, an American treasure. Long-time listeners of the show. Yes. But uh, real quick, I'm gonna, I'll make my prediction quick. I think Kansas City wins this game. I think they're infinitely more talented right now, especially with all the injuries to the Ravens, not only – uh, linebacker or running back core, but Marcus Peters being out, I think it's a big blow to them. Uh, you know, a couple other injuries. I think they got an offensive lineman injured against the Raiders. So, I th- and I think Lamar looked all right against the Raiders, but he still missed his mechanics are just bad, guys. I mean, I know, I know y'all want to talk about he doesn't have weapons, and I, but I mean, he got week one Sammy Watkins. And the yeah. dude still, you know, throwing <laughs> balls. Start. I hope that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke. Week one, okay. Sammy Watkins. Um, he's We're throwing about the ball. To go there. He really thought Sammy Watkins week one was like, oh, yeah, he's got a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> he's throwing the ball in the dirt. I mean, he had Tyson Williams in the flat for like a 10-yard gain. And he – I mean, the dude standing still, he throws it five yards in the dirt. I mean, he's just got to get more – Consistent. On, He's still throwing to Tyson Williams. I mean, who is that? Like, but he what kind of, doesn't, it doesn't what matter. What kind of chicken brand is no, that? No, no, dude. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm not even engaging in that. Kansas City by at least fourteen to twenty-one, unless the Ravens get a little frisky and they feed off that home crowd. And uh, so we all pick Kansas City. So pretty much consensus there. And for our Monday night football game. Can we all agree that the Packers are going to rebound and beat the Lions? Do we even have to talk about this at all? I don't think so. 
Graham? I think the Packers figure it out. But the Lions probably keep it close. They seem to fight back against the 49ers. Yeah. They're going to take some kneecaps with them, though. They are (laughs) going to take some kneecaps with them. And I think um, Mr. Kyle, um, via the chat, is going to pick the Packers and his boy, the bad man that he is, Aaron Rodgers, to rebound and have a good week two. And with that, I think we had a good week two pod predicting uh, the games this upcoming weekend and recapping what a wonderful week one we had. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for joining me tonight. As always, great, great conversation, great takes, great analysis. And we thank you to our listeners for listening to our show. Truly means a lot, all the feedback we get. Uh, your engagement as we have started to kind of utilize social media more with polls that our guy Chase has been posting on Instagram. Uh, I've been posting on Twitter some, getting your thoughts on uh, college football issues. And now that we've got an NFL pod out, we can um, we can add, you know, ask questions about that too, get, get a little insight from NFL fans. So we're really looking forward to that. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter uh, for all, you know, all that good stuff, information about when our pod will be posted. Uh, you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple. It's a perfect podcast going to work, coming from work, going to school, coming home from school, going to the grocery store, yeah. getting something to eat. Yeah, cutting I mean, grass. They, cutting grass. Yeah, man. Any. Get your <laughs> Are we going to just keep going anymore? Go, going to cut someone else's hair? There you go. I riding like it. on the boat. <laughs> riding on the boat. Riding the riding the ATV. Um, no. Shout out, Kyle. Last one. Yeah, gr- there you go. Oh, good. That was really good, Chase. Yeah, it's uh, it's perfect for any time, anywhere, and uh, we appreciate you doing that. Be sure to follow um, our sponsors, Play Action Pools, and. Get in on that pick that we've been doing for both NFL and college. Be sure to second follow place, Graham. Baby. Let's go. Are you still se- – yeah, you are second place. Yeah, the gambling addict is here. He is here. <laughs> um, and be sure to follow our guy, Graham Kerzer, at Graham's for uh, vintage streetwear, jerseys, and uh, thrift shopping that he just does such a great job with and adds some good fits to your wardrobe. And – with that, the Pigskin Cafe is going to be closed for now. But until we open again next week to break down another weekend of NFL and college football, chew on that.